Lord, we bless you this morning. We thank you for your sweet presence. Jesus, we just declare you're worthy, you're good, you're righteous and just. There's none like you in all the earth. Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we believe it to be infallible and holy and beautiful and the very bread of life. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Lord, we just declare this morning as we study your word, it is our sustenance, our strength, and we are eternally grateful. And Holy Spirit, we come to really meet with you. Lord, we're not going through the motions this morning, Lord, this isn't about tradition. We love you. Congregation, would you just for a moment just say, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's in your holy name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 Well, Mr. Tumnus, you know, the the fawn with the umbrella in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, he describes to Lucy as she comes to Narnia, um, he says that we're under the white witch's thumb, And he says in Narnia, it's always winter, but never Christmas. Always winter, but never Christmas. And there we find the the genius of C.S. Lewis's allegory. He really is a brilliant and wonderful man. Thank you, Lord, for C.S. Lewis. (laughs) Um, Always winter and never Christmas. C.S. Lewis says that's what life's like before the great lion brings redemption. Life is cold and dark. We are the valley of dry bones, right? We're bleak and lifeless. There's no life flowers, trees, plants. There's only death. Death reigns when we're under the hand of the enemy. We're under the thumb of sin and hell. Of course, it was always winter and never Christmas in Narnia because Christmas is a display of hope. Isaiah prophesied 700 years or so before the birth of Jesus that there would be a day to come when darkness itself would be put to death. Isaiah prophesied some seven, 800 years before the birth of Jesus that there would be one born unto us who would bring deliverance from oppression. Isaiah called the state of existence outside of Messiah, Isaiah called it gloom. There's great gloom. C.S. Lewis calls it continual winter. Seth and I had a great debate on the way to lunch this week about whether or not winter is a good thing. And I'd just like to prove my point here that C.S. Lewis calls winter hellish. Okay, winter is hellish. (laughs) Hallelujah. This morning I want to look at chapter 9 of Isaiah. It's an Advent text that we're pretty familiar with. But rather than just jumping to the the promise, I want to take a moment and just kind of browse the surrounding context and examine what Isaiah calls, uh, he calls the latter days, days of gloom. Again, winter with no Christmas, days of great gloom, uh, the former days, and the latter days would be days of great joy. So if you would, we'll read Isaiah chapter 9, and we'll read verse 1 through 7, and we'll just explore for a moment this prophecy surrounding the coming of the Lamb of God who would wash away our sins. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea 
and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. This is the text you're familiar with, chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born. For to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's examine this text for a moment, this famous Advent passage. What is the state of Israel in the former time that Isaiah speaks of? Well, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22 um, ends this way. It's actually very interesting. The, the, The Jewish translations, the Tanakh, breaks up the chapters a little bit differently because the ending of chapter 8 and chapter 9 are obviously connected. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22, Isaiah closes by saying this, And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. How does Isaiah describe the former time? He describes it as distress, darkness, gloom, anguish. Israel is experiencing judgment, at at least the the threat of coming judgment from the Assyrian Empire who's beginning to dominate the region. And the prophet says there's an hour coming when Israel will be thrust into great darkness. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Remember, those are two sons of Jacob who... um, were the heads of tribes, and, and as they received an inheritance when they entered into the promised land, the inheritance that they received, the land, became named after them. And so the land of Zebulun and then the land of Naphtali, they've been brought into contempt. And again, watch the language that Isaiah uses, because it's, it's language intended to describe Israel in this time of, of distress, this time of threat of a coming oppression. It's language described used to describe that, but it's very much prophetic language and allegorical language concerning your state outside of the grace of Christ. He says, the people walked in darkness. Do you still remember what it was like to not know Messiah Jesus? Can you still taste the death on your breath? Do you remember what it was like to wake up joyless to be haunted by your own guilt, haunted by your own oppression. Many of you living in depression and anxiety and frustration and anger and in fear. Can you remember what it was like to not know Messiah? You should remember what it's like to be without him. The people who walked in darkness, who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, they are burdened with a yoke, Isaiah says, from an impressor. There's a rod that crushes them. Isn't that what it's like to live under the hand of hell? A rod crushing you constantly. Isaiah says the former time was gloom. 
We don't use the word gloom often, so I kept looking in every Hebrew dictionary I could find to try to get a further explanation of what the word gloom meant. And every dictionary just translated this word muaf as gloom, which was very enlightening, gloom. Gloom means darkness, great distress. Isaiah says, for all of history, we have experienced oppression, gloom. Every human being that breathes oxygen, which believe it or not is everyone, that's every human being breathes oxygen. A little science lesson for you today. Every one of us have tasted death. So Isaiah prophesies that there's a day coming when the gloom will be broken. When winter will end. Christmas come. Isaiah says in the latter time there was, there, in the former time there was gloom, but in the latter time he would make glorious the way of the sea. Those who have dwelt in the land of darkness will see a great light. So Isaiah prophesies, you've known gloom for all of your existence, but there is a day coming when you will know glory. Great light. You will no longer be left in gloom. You will no longer be left in distress. You will no longer be left in anxiety and oppression, but you will have great light shined upon you. What kind of light is Isaiah speaking of? What does it do? What does it bring? What does Isaiah mean by light? What kind of light shines upon us? He says, the light will cause the joy of the nation to increase. No more gloom. We will now have the antithesis of gloom. You will have, because of the coming sun, joy. They will have joy, like one who comes in with a harvest. The joy of plenty. The joy of abundance. They will have life, and life abundantly, Jesus says. Those who have known gloom will now have joy as those who come in with an overflow of harvest. They will be glad, Isaiah said, like those who have won a great victory and now, after the great victory, divide the spoil. Again, they will have an excess, an abundance of joy. The yoke, the burden, the rod of the oppressor shall be broken from them as on the day of Midian. Let your mind ponder, what is the day of Midian? The day of Midian is the day when Gideon and his 300 had victory over the Midianites who turned against themselves and destroyed one another and ran from 300 men led by a man who was just weeks before hiding in a wine press. The victory will be miraculous. The victory will be mind-boggling. And we will have victory and know joy and have the abundance of everlasting life as we experience the kind of victory that Gideon experienced. He will deliver us from the oppressor as on the day of Midian. God will break the oppressor's yoke. He will supernaturally throw the oppressor down. Come on, somebody, have you had the oppressor thrown off your life at the supernatural intervention of the Holy Ghost as he drew you to Christ? There will be no explanation for the deliverance. There will be no natural way to articulate what happened. All they will be able to say is we have joy because God intervened. 
In the former time, they had gloom. But in the latter time, they will have joy as those who just come in with a great harvest. They will have joy as those who have won a great victory and now dividing the spoil. Their joy will look like the joy of Gideon and his 300 on the day that they went to battle with Midian when they saw God bring great deliverance. Those who lived in gloom will now have joy, liberty, freedom. What does the light do? It brings you joy. Verse 6, what is the light? How will we know what to look for? For to us, by God, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, for eternity. What was to bring Israel's deliverance? A son, a child to be born. What was Israel to wait for, to long for? A son to be given. And the son would have the government upon his shoulders. He would be called Wonderful Counselor. Thank you, Jesus. The son given to Israel would be called Mighty God. He would be deity. He would be God himself in the flesh. The Son given to Israel would be called Everlasting Father, Everlasting, Eternal. The Son given to Israel would be the Prince of Peace. He would possess under His authority all peace and He would give peace liberally. Of His government and His peace there shall be increase forevermore. The government of this son shall constantly be increasing. The kingdom of the child who is to be given shall have a kingdom that is constantly advancing. There is no end to his peace because his peace is forever advancing. And how do we know that it will be done? Because the zeal of the Lord will do it. God in his zeal, by God, God in his passion, God in his expected joy and pleasure, he calls the virgin to conceive. And he sent his only son to deliver you from gloom to deliver you from distress. Now, Matthew quotes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and chapter 4 of Matthew's gospel. Now, chapter 4 is when Jesus has gone into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And as Jesus comes out of the wilderness, the scripture tells us that he heard at that moment, after he had just conquered Satan in the wilderness, he heard that John had been arrested, John the Baptist. And the scripture says that Jesus withdrew into Galilee. Matthew 4, verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Why would he go to live in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, I wonder? So that was what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. 
land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. On us who dwell in darkness and in the region of the shadow of death, the glory of the only Son of God has dawned upon us. Are you thankful this morning? Matthew said, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew shows that Jesus was the light that Isaiah prophesied who came to Nebulon and Zeptali, who, uh, Nephtali who, who, who carried the peace of God, who delivered the oppression of the oppressor. And then Matthew told you how to experience the joy that Messiah would bring. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, the kingdom of this son, the son given to us, is the kingdom of joy. Joy as in those who have just gathered a great harvest. The kingdom of joy as in those who have just won a great victory and now divide the spoil. Joy as in those who have experienced deliverance that can only come by the supernatural intervention of God. The kingdom of heaven is joy in the latter days which will triumph over the gloom of the former days. And the way in which you experience the joy of the latter days in the kingdom of this son is to repent. For the kingdom is at hand. Is he your king this morning? Do you bow your knee to the king who has come? Have you been washed of your gloom and despair? I really feel in my heart that there's some of you here and you don't know why you're here. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. Maybe you're struggling with repetitive sexual sin issues. You live in despair, always wanting to get out of the scenario you're in, but you feel entangled and trapped. There is freedom and there is liberty, but you'll have to come and bow to the king who was born. Church, have you bowed your knee to the king who has come? I've been pondering these ideas for a couple weeks and they're not in my notes, but I'm feel like talking and you're here to listen. <laughs> I shared with some in the um, freedom retreat that we had from what's called the uh, the Carmen Christi, what's called uh, the hymn that Paul shares in Philippians chapter 2 where he says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And I showed them that Paul quoted that also in the latter chapters of Romans, but ultimately it's a quote from Isaiah where Isaiah says that, that, that God swears that every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance to him. And so the concept of saying Jesus is Lord, we've kind of been rolling these ideas around for a couple weeks now. In, in first century Roman culture, 
everyone was required to declare Caesar as Lord. And so you were required to offer incense on the altar and declare Caesar is Lord. That was a part of, of bringing your allegiance to the Roman Empire. But the, but the church, um, many refused to declare Caesar as Lord, but rather they began to sing, Jesus is Lord. And when they said Jesus is Lord, they remembered and they thought of Isaiah saying that, that God swears that there will be a day when knees will bow and tongues will swear allegiance to the Lord. So the idea of declaring Jesus as Lord is the same concept, scripturally speaking, as swearing allegiance to him. And so coming to Christ is not only an intellectual ascent and believing in his life, death, and resurrection. Coming to Christ is that intellectual ascent yoked with a swearing to allegiance to his kingdom, repentance. Always winter and never Christmas. Gloom. People who dwell in the shadow of death. And the only hope for light that you and I have. There is one singular hope. The son who is born and given to us. The son whose government continues to increase. The son who is the prince of peace. The son who possesses all joy and peace. And the question that lies before each of you, lies before me, is have you truly repented and received his kingdom? Have you sworn allegiance to the Lamb of God? Do you really love him? Is he your God? Or do you live a life worshiping idols? Seth, go ahead and come for me. Y'all are quiet this morning. I know it's because I'm so stunningly handsome. You just can't even think to move. Handsome or arrogant, one or the other. We can't figure out. We thank you for joy this morning, Lord. Lord, we remember what it was like to not know you and to not have you. We remember what gloom was like. And Lord, today we celebrate the liberty that we have because of the giving of your son. So Lord, I ask right now in the precious name of Jesus that you would release joy on this congregation, on these people. That this would be a season of joy. Joy as those who have just gathered in a great harvest and have plenty. Lord, I ask right now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost that you would release peace, a peace that is ever-increasing as we serve your Son. Father, we celebrate the overthrowing of gloom. said that you came to give life and life abundantly that within our inner man you would put a a river a spring that would well up that you were the manna from heaven and if we feasted on that manna we would never hunger again
So this morning we just declare our gratitude for the Son who has come. Lord, as we prepare our hearts for this Christmas season, we come and repent and declare our allegiance to the Lamb of God. And we receive joy and hope and life and peace. And we thank you that the kingdom of darkness no longer possesses us, that the kingdom of darkness no longer beats down on us with a rod of oppression, that the kingdom of darkness has been triumphed over by the Son of God. We thank you that the head of the serpent has been crushed by the heel of our Messiah. For to us a son is given, a child is born. Hallelujah. If you'd stand to your feet, we'll just close the singing for a moment. I want to ask you to let thanksgiving rise in your heart for the Son of God. Jesus, we love you. Come on, let's praise this morning. Jesus, we love you. We're thankful. Hallelujah, we're thankful. Thank you, Son of God. Thank you, Son of God. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us in oppression. But the zeal of God has triumphed, has caused it to come to pass. Hallelujah. God with us. Hallelujah. He's with us. He's with us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. God with us. He's with team, if you guys would go ahead and come get in place. What I want to do this morning is if you in this season are struggling with any kind of depression, despair, any kind of um, feelings of loss, maybe you've lost a loved one and this is your first season going through Christmas without them, we want to ask you to come as we get ready to close and receive prayer and we're going to believe for the joy of God to run over in your life. Some of you have gone through a hellish year and you have no peace I'm going to ask you to come and receive prayer this morning. We're going to pray for the peace of the Son who came, the peace that knows no end to bathe your life. There were a few words this morning, prophetic words that came forward, words of knowledge. If you're dealing with any pain in your hands, maybe arthritis, I want to ask you to come and receive prayer. We believe God will heal you this morning. If there's any pains, maybe shooting pain in your legs, and if there's stuff going on with with your teeth with dental pain we believe god's here to heal you this morning so what we'll do is i'm gonna i'm gonna pray 
And, and when I conclude praying, you'll be officially dismissed, but I wanna ask you to come receive prayer. Let's make this place a, a place of celebration this morning. So Father, again, we thank you that you have fulfilled, in your zeal, you have fulfilled this promise. The son has come, the child has been born, and he has triumphed over the serpent. He's triumphed over the kingdom of darkness. He has delivered us from gloom and brought us into everlasting peace and everlasting life. And so we celebrate this Christmas season this morning by putting all of our faith and all of our trust and all of our hope in your son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. The altars are open. You are officially dismissed. We want to remind you about our Christmas Eve service and next step. But we love you so much. We pray you have a wonderful Christmas. He's a